We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrated videos, prayer, and weekly message. Psalm 22, verse 3, promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people.
peace. How many of God's people do we have out there tonight? <laughs> Sing this with me. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up on our praises. Yeah. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up on our praises. Come on. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up on our praises. Yeah. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up on our praises. We lift. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up on our Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy Today we're on number 41 
The title is called The Two Witnesses. The connection between this vision of the two preachers and the previous message that we covered in our last message should be clear. They are among God's unique witnesses who will proclaim his message of judgment during the final stages of the Gentile trampling on Jerusalem. Not to mention the endless pursuit that the Muslim people have been working on for generations to try to conquer Israel. His message of judgment during the final stages is critical and pivotal in our Revelation series. These two witnesses will preach the gospel so that the Jewish remnant, which is 144,000 pure bloodline Jews, can believe and enjoy God's protection. There are seven features we're going to be talking about of the lives and ministry of these two remarkable and powerful preachers unfold in our text over the next few messages. We're going to learn about their duty, their attitude, certainly their identity, the power that God has given them, the death that they must experience, And let's not forget the resurrection that God grants them in the end. The impact of what God accomplishes through these two witnesses is beyond remarkable. God will grant authority to these two witnesses in a full reflection of his identity as the living God. Even the title that God gives them, witnesses, is the plural form the Greek word martis, from which the early church, from which the English word martyr derives. Since so many witnesses of Jesus Christ in the early church paid with their lives, the word witness has become associated with those who sacrifice everything in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since it's always used in the New Testament to refer to persons, the two witnesses must be actual people, not movements, as some commentators have held. There are two witnesses because the Bible requires the testimony of two people to confirm a fact or verify the truth of the living God. Let's take a look at our scriptures for today. This is out of Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 7. It says, I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the skies so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they will have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague, as often as they desire. When they have finished their testimony, 
The beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. Looking at Hebrew customs and culture, this passage cannot be understood unless you have a vested interest in the Jewish people's customs and culture. Jewish law demands two witnesses to give competent evidence concerning matters of the law, religion, or the dealings of men with one another. You can find more about that in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, and then again in 19, verse 15. Now to review the New Testament and two witnesses. It says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. You also find in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then finally we read in Hebrews 10, verse 28, Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. We need to remember that this is not just a book of revelation mandate. This principle of witnesses begins clear back in the book of Genesis. Obviously, it moves its way all the way through the New Testament into the book of Revelation. Do you remember the two angels in the tomb of Jesus the morning of his resurrection stated in John 20, verse 12? How about the two men who appeared to the disciples at the Lord's ascension in Acts 1, 10? And then one of my favorites is the 70 who were sent out two by two, according to Luke 10, 1. God is obviously in the habit of requiring two witnesses at his life events. And now we read in Revelation 11 that he chooses the story and chapter of the Antichrist with two final witnesses. A key component here that we must keep in mind, the rapture is when God obviously, through Jesus Christ, gathers up his saints who are the bride of Christ. The Bride of Christ is the only group that does not have to go through the resurrection process after death. These saints, the Bride of Christ, is literally gathered up in its present state without having to go through a physical death. This is one of the most significant theological blessings for the Bride of Christ that is alive during the time of the rapture. The other thing that we have to keep in mind here is after the rapture, the Holy Spirit living inside the bride, when they are raptured out, taken up, gathered together, the age of grace will come to an end, which ignites the great tribulation of the Antichrist. In the second half of the reign of the Antichrist, 
The focus will be upon 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. This is why two prophets were sent back from the Old Testament. They will make use of the laws of God to appeal to the Jewish people, and 144,000 of them receive this message, become indwelt by Christ, and are saved by the personhood of the law, and that is the living God. Revelation chapter 11 verse 3 says, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. As you probably have numerically calculated by this point, 1,260 days is three and a half years. Now the question really becomes, who are these two witnesses? Scholars have been arguing over this for centuries. And I must say, what a waste of breath. By embracing the vested interest in the Hebrew lineage of their customs and culture, we can be certain as to who they are. Hebrews 9.27 says, And inasmuch as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment. This leads us to look to the two men of God who did not die a mortal death. Not at this point. All living must go through three deaths unless they become born again. Spiritual renewal in Christ Jesus. All of humanity is born into sin, and because of this, they must experience a physical death. On the other hand, Christians experience only two, unless you call coming to the end of yourself a death. Christians experience spiritual, born into sin, and physical death. Unless you are caught up in the rapture during the time of the great gathering. These particular born-again Christians will not experience physical death. They will be transfigured just as Christ was, going from mortal man into their eternal bodies through the process of the rapture. Our co-crucifixion with Christ is considered the third. This is a very important piece of theology for all believers to understand. If one does not understand and embrace this truth, there is no way you can understand what the two witnesses in the book of Revelation are all about. Looking at the book of life, since the two witnesses of the book of Revelation is true, we can now look to the book of life and gaze upon who did not experience physical death. For even Christ was required to go through all three. But the key significance is resurrection. Now, who are those listed to be temporarily removed from the experience of physical death that must come back to finish the three baptisms of death? It certainly is not the ever-so-popular Moses theory. The scriptures are clear regarding Moses' death. It says in Deuteronomy 33, verse 1, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. 
Also in Joshua 1, 1, it says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, These two passages clearly confirm that Moses indeed died a physical death. So it could not be Moses as one of these two witnesses, even though it is one of the most popular beliefs when it comes to the eschatology of the book of Revelation with the two witnesses. Even though the evidence is overwhelming regarding Moses' death, scholars continue to embarrass themselves with this half-baked theory. This leads us to conclude that since Enoch and Elijah were the only two men to leave this world without going through the baptism of physical death, they must be the two witnesses being referenced in the book of Revelation. Hebrew law requires all of mankind to go through physical death, for no man can inherit their glorified body until this event occurs. Again, unless you are the bridal members who are alive during the great moment of rapture. For example, Enoch lived in the cold, dark moments just before the judgment of God came upon the earth through the flood. He walked with God and according to a chosen day in those horrific days, he went from the earth to his true home to be with God the Father without physically dying. He is the first living story of the parallel of the rapture in an Old Testament version. Just as in those days God was about to clear the air, He, God, was about to baptize the earth with water. As mankind must experience three baptisms, so must the earth. Water, flood, spirit, Christ, and fire, final judgment. Soon the day is upon the earth when God will come and purify the earth through fire. When that time comes upon us, he, God, will remove his existing children through the rapture, just as he did with Enoch. Now we must look at the question regarding the physical death of the raptured. Are the Christians of that day going to die physically when they are raptured? There is zero biblical evidence of this. The raptured, bridled members of Christ will be transfigured as Jesus was in his ascension. Talk about a special privilege. Let's review 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. It will be a sight to behold, that's for sure. No matter how you look at it, having the human body transfigured into a heavenly body will be unearthing, to say the least. Now we need to talk about Elijah, the other witness. There is no question in my mind that Elijah was the other witness. 
The Old Testament and the Lord Jesus Christ himself reveals that Elijah will come again before the coming of Jesus in power and great glory of the Lord. In Revelation 11.5, to remind each of us, it says, And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. The miraculous work described here is certainly supportive of this great prophet's characteristics. Who called fire down from heaven and shut up the heavens so that it would not rain for three and a half years during the reign of the wicked rule of Ahab? These three and a half years is being paralleled to the second half of the reign of the Antichrist. This is clear. Remember when Elijah appeared to Israel during one of the most horrific times in their history? Elijah was given a nickname during that time. They called him the prophet of fire after appearing before Israel during Ahab and Jezebel's reign. More than any other nation in the world, the nation of Israel, these two prophets of God provide the way of deliverance in the final end times. By this time, the Jews will be gathered back into their homeland, and the Lord's third temple will have been rebuilt. Up to this point, Christians were always required by the Lord to turn the other cheek, and not to use the sword in acts of vengeance. The logic is simple. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and he will demonstrate this vengeance during the period of the two witnesses. Talk about the power to destroy men. The two witnesses will have the power to destroy men, and this destruction will be by fire from their mouths. Imagine this. Two witnesses commanded by God to fulfill every pre-assigned agenda item of the Lord with permission to burn anyone who tries to stop them. Dust to dust and ashes ashes. The two witnesses will make the hell fire and damnation preaching of our present generation sound like two kids on a playground. We have no way of measuring the amount of revenge that is going to take place during the period of the two witnesses. These men will be dressed in satloth, Hebrew dress that communicates calamity and judgment, There won't be any limos, TV interviews, or any such worldly bits of help. Dressed in humility and judgment, they will open their mouths, and rivers will turn to blood. Plagues of sores and diseases will be released because of them. These prophets will remind us of the time when the unnamed man of God withered Jeroboam's hand and when fire from heaven destroyed the warriors of Uzziah, found in 2 Kings chapter 1. These two men are handpicked by God to kick off the judgment of the living God. As a result of their preaching, the gates of hell will be opened. Speaking of, let's talk about from the abyss. Satan himself will come forth as a mysterious beast, who will be given limited power to rule the world as a chancellor of sorts. 
The beast will do what he does best, of course, and that's blasphemy God, the holy temple and tabernacle, and all that is holy. He will certainly have the power to conduct makeshift miracles that will cause the masses to accept him as the Messiah. This period will be so terrible that wars will rise against God and the remaining 144,000 righteous Jews of purity. Once the work is done with these two prophets, they are destroyed, physically that is, by the beast. Critical note here before we quit, all humans must experience physical death, and these two men are the only men in biblical history who died and were physically resurrected outside of Jesus Christ. Again, keeping in mind that the raptured saints were not resurrected, they were transfigured, thus proving that this is a significant time for God to reveal that all men must die, but we can acknowledge this. These are the only two men who were authentically resurrected like Jesus was after dying a physical death. Coming up next in number 42, the death of the two witnesses. Once the two witnesses are killed, the world breaks out into a massive party, all celebrating over the death of these two immovable, loud, and obnoxious men of God. It is this celebration and facade of joy that causes the Almighty to prove his strength and puts everyone in their rightful place. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.